I trust you guys are doing well. My name is Jeff Fuller. You are listening to Jay Fuller Interviews. Jay Fuller Interviews on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Jay Fuller Interviews. Also now, the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews. You can listen on Apple iTunes or Google Podcasts. We believe people's stories make our stories much better. As long as we make the time to take the time and listen, unlearn what we thought was right, to relearn what is right, and what now with a tremendous story is Chaz Jackson. Chaz, welcome in. Thank you, Jeff, for having me on your show. Yeah, for sure. I just spoke with a friend uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, conversations are like medicine. We're exchanging remedies. He also said, it's also exchanging keys. How important oh, is it for how important is it for you to be learning from others as you're also trying to lead others? Wow, that is a beautiful question. <laughs> I love that quote, man. I definitely uh, got to consider that and add that to uh, my daily mindset ritual. So that, that was really good. But yeah, so relationships are key. Conversations are key. You know, I always use the analogy of water when thinking about relationships. You know, a relationship can either nourish you or it can drown you. So for me, you know, as I walk through my journey, obviously, you know, you're going to get a mixture of that throughout the process. But uh, looking to be intentional on getting around people, having conversations that nourishes me and and that's going with self-talk and, and really establishing and, and building the foundation to continue to do the work that I'm called to do and, and becoming my greatest version of myself. So, yeah, definitely seeking those nourishing relationships. Now, I'm 46. Uh, I will venture to say that you are younger than me. I wish I would have learned when I was younger. I believe to... 46, man. Is that... well, Taking care of yourself, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I just those genes. But um, I wish I would have paid attention when I was younger to listen to other people. On your website, if I could bring it up here, it has you speaking to several students and assemblies and uh, things of that nature. Talk to me a little bit. When did you first realize you had a gift that was worth connecting with? And how does that make you feel seeing especially younger students connecting with you? Wow, that is an amazing question as well. Uh, so many lanes that I can take with this, Jeff, but I'm going to go to a, a brief story. Back in 2012, I can remember being behind my fiance's vehicle. Um, I had passed out briefly. I was awakening to a car horn inches away from a head-on collision, potentially killing myself and the other driver. But me being a man of faith and by the grace of God, I was able to turn that wheel to the right. I crashed into a wooden gate. A um, few minutes later, the police showed up. I was arrested. I found myself in a jail cell. So I bring it up to say this, um, building up to that moment in 2012, it was actually this month, actually, uh, May of 2012, I was in that jail cell, man. And there was so much emotional baggage that I call it, poor decisions that I've made uh, at this present time. Some good things that happened on that journey building up to that moment. But I that wasn't the first time I was in that situation. And I knew even at that time that there needed to be a change, but I didn't quite know how to, to make that change. Uh, I was at a point being in that jail cell where I lost my license, I lost my car. I lost my job and it was all due to drinking. That was the uh, reason that caused that accident. The reason that caused me to pass out behind that vehicle, I was under the influence. And again, a lot of poor decisions was made, but fast forwarding about a week and a half after uh, that situation, I was outside of my lawyer's office. He was kind of giving me the spill. He had already been dealing with some other uh, consequences that I've had in the past. And 
I knew that there I was gonna be in an even deeper hole based on my decision making. And my fiance went with me to that appointment. I remember leaving, going to the bathroom, fast forwarding to us being on the, uh, getting back into the car. She had stayed in there and talked with my lawyer for a little while. And she had came out, us being in that vehicle, and she was a little perplexed, a little upset. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And she shared this with me, Jeff. She said, my, your lawyer just told me to leave you. And I was like, really? I was like, and at this point, you know, I was like, all this stuff is falling apart. I was on eggshell with that relationship as well. She was out, almost out the door. And I pretty much just asked her, I said, why don't you leave me? And she said these words and, and I feel like she watered a seed that was inside of me. The words she said is, Chaz, I, don't, I won't leave you because I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And, and it sit with me in a very passionate way, a very motivating way. And I asked myself, what does she see? And obviously I had to be intentional about going through and, and taking that daily challenge of changing myself. So I just went on that journey of uh, getting counseling, you know, surrounding myself about uh, around nourishing people, like I mentioned before. And fast forward to the to me getting to the point of 2019. That's when my first book, Live, Learn, Lead Powerfully, was released. Um, between that whole trajectory from 2012 to 2019, the tips and techniques that I learned along the way, a lot of failing, a lot of, you know, taking two steps forward, uh, three steps back. But along the way, you know, I started reading more. I started buying myself more And one of the uh, biggest decisions I made was building a relationship with Christ. That was a huge one for me. And along the way, you know, God began to show me so many things and begin to uh, put me in position where I can gain more clarity uh, for what uh, he was calling me to do, gain count accountability around me. And I started to uh, find purpose, if that makes sense. So uh, leading up to that 2019, uh, all that information was like a force in my mind, just kind of giving you a picture. Uh, but it became a garden and that garden became the publishing of that book. And throughout that process, I was like, man, I have this information and I created it as a teen leadership guide. Because for me, you know, looking back uh, in my childhood, you know, there was a lot of things that went on, a lot of traumas and dramas, you know, growing up in a poverty environment where, you know, my family did the best they knew how of what they knew. But, you know, it was normal for me to see drug addicts. It was normal for me to see alcoholics. It was normal for me to see domestic violence. And. Throughout that whole process, building up uh, that emotional baggage in 2012 and me building up in 2019, writing that book, um, I just had this urge of thinking like, man, there's a kid out there that potentially was going through something that I went through at, at my young age. And, you know, we all have our stories. We all have our trials and tribulations and backgrounds. You know, we can draw the line and plug in the blank of the situations, you know, but uh, I just knew, man, that there there was someone out there a young individual that could potentially be going through some of the same things that I went through. And they're looking for uh, someone to, to just give them hope. So that was one of the biggest things for me um, was just to say, hey, if Chaz can do it, you can do it. You know, fast forward to today, you know, I'm happy to say I haven't had a drink of alcohol in over eight years. And, and throughout that whole process of meeting so many people and just 
beginning to value myself. And that was one of the things that put me behind that vehicle, Jeff, was I didn't truly value myself and I and I didn't know my self-worth. So now at this point in my life, I've developed a, a mindset of valuing myself. So I just want to reach out and value other people. That's really good. And uh, Chaz, thanks so much for making the time on Instagram. It's at Chaz Jackson Speaks on Twitter. It's Chaz Jackson 44. So correct me if I mispronounce it, but your full name is Chazare Jackson. Is that a family good. name? That's pretty good. Man. That is really good. Like, Where did that come most, from? Most people, most people mess up on the Chazare. I mean, called Chazare and uh, Chatare and all kind of stuff, man. So I was like, hey, let's just call it, say Chaz, you know but what's so, funny about that whole Chaz deal, people always say, is that short for Charles? And I never could really get that. It was like, I was like, why Why is it like that? And I, I would even ask people that, you know, have named their kid Charles and they call him Chaz. And I'm like, well, why do you call him Chaz? And they'd be like, well, I don't really know. But then I finally, <laughs> I kid you not, last year, I finally got the answer of why, you know, Charles is called Chaz. But it's not spelled the same, so it's not spelled C H A Z. It's spelled C H A S, and that made sense to me. But at all these years, somebody could really <laughs> tell me, and I was like, "Man, somebody got to somebody got to uh, answer this question for me." So, Chaz, talk to me a little bit about uh, growing up. So, we spoke off air. I'm a pastor. I was a director of mentoring for nearly ten years. Um, I love to coach basketball and get involved. And there's so many lives that, uh, well, I think without the grace of God, they could end up um, poorly. But I was reminded of a quote that demographics is not your destiny. You alluded to some of the things that you witnessed when you were younger. When you look back, what really saved you out of those lifestyles or that um, degree of separation that could have taken you down uh, a more difficult road than what you suffered? Wow, that's a really good question, Jeff. And, you know, just looking back, I think it was God, even when I was so far from, <laughs> I, I feel like there, there, was, there was something greater than myself looking over me. Um, also, what's sticking out in my mind is really a football coach. So I mentioned I was an I was a three sport athlete, basketball, football and track, um, progressing up to my high school uh, career. Uh, I remember my freshman year, I was a huge Clemson University guy. So uh, originally from North Carolina, I'm in Texas right now. And uh, I, I just, it was just something about Death Valley jumping off that hill, coming with that orange on, man, it was just it was just a childhood dream for me to play for that college. And I remember my freshman year, Coach Coach Crosby, uh, he was my defensive court, defensive coach. He had on this uh, full orange jumpsuit, man, and uh, it was Clemson. And I remember seeing him for the first time in PE, and I said, "Man, that's where I want to go." <laughs> and he was just like, "Chaz, if you work hard at this uh, football." And, any, and everything else that you do in life, you can make it happen. So you remember how I mentioned my fiance, she's now my wife now, Amy. She watered my seed during that, that trial of saying she sees something in me that I don't see in myself. I didn't know that then, but that's what he just, he had done at that moment my freshman year was he watered my seed. He, he gave me hope 
And I think that's uh, where I'm going with the answer to your question is uh, there has been people along my path that has given me hope, that care. And that's one of the things that I found working with our young people is, you know, they don't really care how much you know. <laughs> they really don't like until they know how much you care. And that's what he did for me, man. And, and he gave me hope. I worked hard, you know, two, three practices a day, really crafting, made it all the way up to my senior year. Uh, I had actually went to a camp at Clemson and he actually took me to that camp. My my mother, you know, she didn't have a vehicle. I didn't have that transportation. He took me to that camp and I had an amazing camp. But unfortunately, my the third game of just my senior year, that camp was my junior year, excuse me. But moving into my senior year, uh, I got hurt the third game of the season. I fractured my lower leg. And I tell you the reason I say God watch, was watching over me even when I didn't quite know it, was while I was at that camp my at the end of my junior year, moving to my senior year, uh, Coach Matt Rule, so he's the head football coach for Carolina Panthers yeah, now. Yeah. He was at that camp, and uh, he had told me at that camp, he's like, man, if anything happens, Chad, and you don't come to Clemson, because I know this is where you want to come. I mean, all other schools, I mean, it was out the woodworks, man. This is where I was going. He was like, but if anything's happening, you don't come here, you can come to Western Carolina University. Hmm. And now at the time, I was like, where is that exactly? <laughs> he said, Cullowee, North Carolina. I was like, Cullowee? Like, really? Like, where is this place? Like, no, there's no black people in Cullowee. You know, this is like little stuff like that going in my head. Like, I'm not going to a place called Cullowee. I'm coming to Death Valley. This <laughs> but throughout that whole process, man, you know, I, I got hurt. And the second individual that gave me hope was a therapist. His name's his name's Brandon, and he rehabilitated me back. And it, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I got the opportunity. I didn't get to Clemson, but I did go play at Western five years. Uh, amazing experience, uh, good and bad, obviously that comes out of it. Lessons. But fast forward to today, and, and kind of going back to that whole hope thing. You know, it's funny that I'm doing what Coach Cosby uh, done for me to other kids. And I also work in physical therapy, just like Brandon uh, done for me to get me back to playing football. So, um, yeah, so hopefully that makes sense. I think I think hope and caring is a really big thing because I'm doing uh, what the people in my life who really gave me hope and really care uh, is doing. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Chaz Jackson, chazjacksonspeaks.org is where you can certainly find more information. Check out his book that he's written. And I just wanted to share, I had an opportunity to uh, interview Coach Yost. So from the movie, Remember the Titans, the defensive right. coach, this was a few years ago before he passed away. And he shared that he always wanted to become a pastor when he was growing up. But then he realized more kids in Virginia played football than went to church. So he told me, he said, you can teach, teach the same life skills using a piece of leather filled with air, and then you don't have to worry about trying to round them up and not falling asleep during a church service. Wow. And I always thought that was so wonderful to think about how God uses what you naturally love, and you can just use that platform back for him. So I do have a question. Uh, and I'm a big basketball fan. Uh, football, I'm here in Vermont, and our football players are not um, Division One talent, should we say. So why did you choose 
football. Did you enjoy the physical contact or was it the game strategy? What was it about football that made you just focus more on that than the other sports? Wow, that's a really good question. And so let's back up. So basketball was actually my first love, Jeff. Uh, I remember <laughs> growing up at Keita's Trailer Park, man. And we, uh, we grew up in the trailer in the backyard. You know, it, we didn't have no concrete or anything. It was just all dirt, man. And just being out there practicing, friends coming over. My grandma, man, she would be so mad at me. Uh, you know, I'm going in, I'm tracking dirt everywhere. And, you know, it, it was it was such a, a true a true love for me. And I actually, um, I remember eighth grade, AAU, um, and this is actually a little touching here. I remember being at a game and I wasn't a starter. I remember getting put in the game, playing my heart out, doing the best I can, but I didn't live up to my coach's expectation. So he mm. took me out. And he said these words to me, Jeff. He said, Chaz, that's the reason that you don't play is because you're not even good. Wow. And you know what, man? I didn't play anymore when I went to high school. And uh, and after that, it was it was football and track. You know, I was a decent track runner, but it wasn't something that I truly loved. Uh, I also loved football as well. And, and for me, you know, <clears throat> growing up in my environment, you know, in my culture, you know, it wasn't necessarily, you know, priest that you can go and be a doctor or a lawyer. It wasn't necessarily, you know, an ideal conversation at my dinner mm -hmm. table, if that makes sense. So uh, for me, it was always you're either an entertainer or you play sports. And that, that, that was it. So <laughs> obviously with the mindset I have now, I know there there's more opportunity for young people. And that's one of the reasons for for me, you know, uh, talking with student athletes in general, understanding that, hey, you know, you can be an athlete, whatever your sport is, but that don't have to be your all identity or your true identity, if that makes sense. You can play football and not you play football with a period. And yeah, and that's something that, you know, me going back to the entertainer or sports, uh, I was just always, you know, uh, naturally strong and fast. And it, it just kind of fell into place based on what was shown to me, you know, uh, growing up. So uh, hopefully that answers your question, man. I think it was no, just it does. More, yeah, for sure. it was more, it was more of a cultural environment uh, progressing towards it, man. And and uh, just being naturally gifted, you know, on my show, Gifting the Gift, I say we're all gifted differently to make yeah. a difference. Uh, one of my gifts that God gave me was you know, to be strong and fast. So it just kind of fell into place for me. Yeah, for sure. Chaz Jackson, chazjacksonspeaks.org. You can find this line on that website where it says, be who you needed when you were younger. And mm. it just makes me think back of when you were playing basketball in eighth grade, be who you needed when you were younger. And maybe that's the, uh, the motivation or the chip on your shoulder that really helps you now just speak life into into kids. Um, I wanted to talk about your podcast, Gift in a Gift Podcast, and we could just bring that up now if I can figure this out. And uh, talk to me about everybody has a podcast. I love them. I listen at 1.5 speed because there's so many out there. <laughs> what, what prompted you to put out a podcast and share conversations and the insight from other people? Wow. So Gift in a Gift. So... 
going back, so I, I remember uh, sharing with you guys that Liberally Powerfully, my first book was published in uh, 2019. Well, the whole concept of gift and a gift, and this was before the podcast, so gift and a gift was actually started in 2016. So, uh, you know, going back to me, um, getting more involved in reading and, and one of my favorite books is the Bible. So, you know, really getting the scripture, gaining more clarity about what a guy was calling me to do, uh, creating a path for my life while, you know, getting accountability around me, coaches and trainers and, and mentors. And, and again, uh, finding that purpose again, like I was sharing earlier, how all this information was just like a forest. I love using the analogy like of a restaurant, thinking like your brain's the manager, your body's the restaurant. Like for me, it was kind of like at one point in my life, I was constantly buying food and putting it in my refrigerator, thinking about the body. And I wasn't cooking anything, meaning serving and adding value in life. So it was like this food was just going to spoil inside of me. And, and I and I and I feel like God was just sharing, kind of saying, man, we need to do something with this information that you're learning. I'm giving you all this this creativity and this knowledge and this wisdom or knowledge and or he was giving me knowledge. Obviously, wisdom is applied knowledge, but I wasn't <laughs> producing any wisdom. So that's when gifting the gift was was kind of brought forth. And, and I started with kind of doing YouTube videos and you know, things that I was reading and, and just being an inspiration. But fast forward into 2009 or 2020, I'm sorry, 2020, that's when uh, Gift GNG podcast was born. And I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Dominique Brightman, but Going North podcast, amazing, amazing podcast on self-development as well. But he, he's an amazing guy, amazing friend. And I would I was on his show. It was like a couple of years back. And and I was like, man, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And he was just like, man, you can do it. You can do it. And I was I was putting it off. You know, I, you know, you cannot constantly gravitate towards excuses. And and obviously, if it's something that's really important to you, uh, do it. But a guy used Dom. So, you know, Dom would always just see me random text. Like, man, when, when are you going to start the podcast? When are you going to start the podcast? And I would be like, man, it's just coming, it's coming. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. But uh, last year, uh, got that same text. And then the wheel started turning. I was like, well, what am I gonna talk about? And this is around the time when Brother George Floyd was uh, uh, murdered due to that, mm -hmm. the injustice. And there was like a fire inside of me at that time, Jeff, and built up on, you know, everything else the gift and gift was about. Uh, I was wanting to create something for young men to encourage them, to empower them, to uh, just give them clarity, focus and consistency uh, build up for, you know, parents, teachers and coaches who are influencing young men and create a platform. And that whole situation, like I said, that that anger and that and that frustration going back to <laughs> You know, right on when you, when you come onto my website, be who you needed when you was younger. That stuck out like a sore thumb. And I thank Dom for holding me accountable. Uh, and Gift and the Gift podcast was born. So, you know, the mission statement of G, uh, GNG podcast is uh, for, you know, me as well as everyone else. I encourage uh, them to take the daily challenge with me of becoming a passionate visionary 
who was determined to leave a legacy for themselves by adopting unwavering life values and serving others in the area of gifting led by God. So that is such a, mon, uh, a mouthful there. Uh, it's definitely going to be a book coming soon on, on that whole concept and really my vision of that. But I, I enjoy providing tips and techniques for young males as they strive to grow towards personal development. There's been people from all across the country that's been on GNG podcast, uh, just sharing their story and how they are impacting young men. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the whole journey with gifting the gift. And, and I always get the question of what what is gift and a gift, and I'll share that. So uh, physically, we are a gift, right? Yeah, you know, scripture yeah. tells we're earthly vessels, but there's a gift inside of us, and I call it the seed of greatness. Uh, yeah. Some call it, uh, you know, the spirit of God, but that gift has the ability to bring forth fruit, right? That fruit of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, just self-control. And um, yeah, I, my goal is to, to help people uh, ignite that seed of greatness. And once you water it, it's gonna bring forth that fruit so that you can serve to other people. And so you can equip them to serve to other people. So uh, going back to that whole analogy of the, going back to that whole analogy of the, the, the um, of the restaurant. Yeah. Um, I just learned through GNG to, to cook some of that food, man. No, I like that a lot. I like that uh, a lot. So Instagram is Chaz Jackson Speaks. Chaz Jackson Speaks. Give that a follow on Instagram. Now, a couple quick things. I noticed that uh, John Gordon and John C. Maxwell have uh, influenced your life. For me, I am a pastor in the Westland denomination, which probably means nothing to uh, most people. However, John C. Maxwell began as a pastor in the Westland denomination. Now, this is kind of shame or egg on my face. When I was in Bible college, everybody talked about John C. Maxwell. And I said, it's going to be me and God and me and God are going to get it done. Well, it took me several years to be humbled enough to say God uses people of which now I think I've read it, uh, listened to and read everything that John's ever put out. And it's just tremendous stuff. Why do you think when people are younger, they balk at the thought of learning from someone else? Well, it is a really good question. And I think it's based on trust. Um, um Kind of going back to what I was saying before, it, you know, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And I think it, it comes back to the whole sense for me, thinking about a young individual, you know, they they are able to relate to me more based on my weaknesses versus my strengths. And, and uh, you know, with a young individual, thinking about the brain, the whole neural side of it, you know, they think more from the back of their brain, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, the occipital lobe, the amygdala uh, area versus, you know, when we get older, like we are, you know, we think more in the front. So the frontal lobe, meaning more complex, critical thinking. And, and for me, when thinking about being a mentor or a coach or a trainer for, for a young individual, we got to understand that they think more feeling based and, you know, they're not going to be able to really relate to us on a whole level. I mean, obviously there's some that will, but not at a critical basis uh, based on critical thinking. So uh, for me, it's just realizing that um, I need to relate with them more on my feelings, my beliefs and my opinions from a weakness standpoint or, you know, some of the struggles that I may have had when I was at their age. So 
Um, really just being exposed that I say I, I, in my book, Live, Learn, Lead, Powerful, I talk about the three B's when building healthy relationships and trust, you know, being relatable. So how can I relate, relate to you when I was your age? You know, being exposed, you know, exposing Chaz, what's really yeah. going on. Like when they ask me, how am I doing? Don't just say I'm good. You uh, really, really, really unravel some of that stuff and say, hey, man, you know, Man, I woke up a little later than usual. I didn't get my workout in. I'm a little edgy. Man, me too. You know, like yeah, I was yeah. and and, uh, and that third B is you know being predictable. You know, um, building that trust and understanding. Hey, if I'm saying I'm going to be here, I'm going to be there. And you know, I'm just you know building that relationship and being that individual that they can trust. So. Yeah, that's good. And uh, we've been in about uh, 30 minutes right now, and we have a few more uh, minutes I'd like to spend with you. You're a guy that I think we could hang out and talk and just chop things up, and I'd really enjoy it. I wanted the conversation to turn a little bit more serious, perhaps. George Floyd, when he was murdered, it was so intense with a pandemic. Um, and I'm just being honest, like last year when Kobe Bryant died, like, I didn't know Kobe and just being a basketball guy kind of made me feel weird, off, whatever, different for like three days. But George Floyd, and again, I'm a pastor, probably a pretty conservative denomination. It was so appalling and gut-wrenching to see how people were choosing sides instead of saying there's a need for people to stand up for other people. The first question on all of this, did you feel like you were alone in a voice or did you feel like people were surrounding you and lifting up your voice? Wow. That is a really good question. That is a really good question, Jeff. Thinking from the state that I'm in right now, I feel like there was a lot of people that was quiet, if that makes sense. Um, not really want to have the tough conversations like, you know, we're, we're having right now. And I, and I love, you know, for the ones that did kind of stand out and, and was voicing my pastor uh, back in Carolina, uh, Bruce Frank, he has shared an analogy uh, to kind of solidify how some people was wanting to pick size and, and some, you know, was wanting to rally. But, uh, you know, he, he used an analogy of thinking of a father who has two sons or it could be a mother. But, you know, they're playing in the backyard, those two sons, and one of them are, is crying, right? Now, whenever you go out, you know, your back door to go check on that crying son, does that mean that you do not love the other son? No. Right? Um, you know, and I, and I feel no. like, you know, as, as a country – you know, we're not really just rallying around that crying son. It's more like I'm here with this crying son, but I'm looking back at the son who's okay and saying, is he's getting jealous or yeah. is he, you know, thinking that I don't love him anymore? Now, speaking it, it, from this analogy to you, Jeff, um, obviously you're going to stay with the one that's crying, correct? It doesn't mean that you don't love the other child, right. correct? Right. And a lot of times you will hope that the other child will come over and hug as well and make sure his brother is OK. So I think um, we have to as a country, we have to get to that point to where we're not necessarily looking um, side to side, but really just making sure that crying son is OK. And 
That's good. And uh, there's a pastor in uh, Nebraska, Byron Pierce, and he talked about something similar about if uh, your neighbor's house was on fire, you wouldn't be saying, hey, to the uh, fireman, hey, my house, it's valuable too. You'd be oh. like saying, no, take care of the one whose house is on fire. Um, so a few elections ago, it was President Barack Obama, so the first African-American president elected. I spoke with a couple friends that are black of color, and they said they felt intense pressure to vote for President Obama because he was black, not because there was anything of value that they believed or anything that they didn't believe. They just said they felt pressure from family members simply because the color of his skin, what it would mean for the country. For you, how does that come across? Now, was your so the friends that was telling you that were they? Uh, yeah, they were black. Yep, they were black. Yep. <clears throat> Gosh, man, that is a really good question. And, and what's popping out in my mind is a quote by Marianne Williamson. She says, um, "She said this. She says our deepest fears is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fears is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light." not our darkness that most frightens us. So that light, meaning black and that power, that's frightening, right? Because what will that cause? That's the question that pops in uh, most people of color's minds. Like if he's standing out and, and people are getting angry at him, seeing his, his face on the news or on TV or on social media, and they're angry at him, you know, it's going to be a mirror effect. When they see me, they're going to be angry at me. So I think, you know, from that perspective, there it was just a lot of fear, uh, meaning, you know, being standing out, being exposed on, on the scene as being the leader. So uh, I think, you know, the reason I love that, that, that whole quote, you know, it's our light that frightens us when we're stepping out, when we're uh, going after something that's fearful or something that we could potentially be rejected on, or if we're going after something that is unknown of how it's going to be revealed, it's not predictable, you know, that can be uncomfortable. But for me, you know, I've gotten to the point on my journey of being okay with being uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, just like if you was lifting weights, like and you get sore, that's the whole purpose of growth. And, and I, and I feel, you know, we can get to a, a space where we just want to be comfortable and we don't want to step out and be leaders. And I'm speaking to myself, uh, uh, being bold and, and really stepping in, into those those moments of where, hey, you know, if they see Chaz doing it, they want to be able to say, hey, I can do it even more. And I, and I personally believe like the power of our minds is disconnected from our skin color. The power of our mind is disconnected from our age. The power of our mind is disconnected from our environment. We perform at the level of our belief, not the level of our potential. So uh, for me, it's getting that belief that you deserve to be at that caliber. And that's what I'm taking the daily challenge of being, being who I needed when I was younger. I didn't have anybody share that with me. And I feel like if we can pour that back into our young black boys, they're going to be in a position to strive and be able to fly like that eagle in the sky, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, through those storms. 
Now, I say I wasn't offended, but the fact that I'm bringing it up, maybe I was a little bit. So I was adopted, grew up right here in Vermont, and uh, I'm more sophisticated redneck than anything ethnic, you might say. But I, I tried to join in with talking about the racial injustice that has gone on and gone on too long, but the importance for us now to stand up and fight and battle and talk and converse with our brothers and sisters you know, across the street or whatever the demographic. Mm. I was I was told because, Jeff, you aren't even Asian. You're an adopted Asian. We don't want you in this conversation. How important is it that we understand there are those that have stronger voices, but together our voices become even more strong? Wow. That, man, you got some amazing questions, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's really been open minded, you know, understanding, you know, for one, you know, not to make assumptions. And I know that's easier said than done, throwing some things out there. Um, a lot of times we can get in a position where we make assumptions, where we stereotype, just like that individual that was sharing some of those things to you. Um, but getting to a place where, you know, we are OK with asking questions because um, I love what John Maxwell, we talked about him, you know, Papa John, you know, uh, you know, he's been rated the number one leadership expert in the world, wrote, written over 80 books. You know, uh, I'm proud to be a part of this team, you know, of 30,000 across 180 countries. And he says the quicker way to build relationships is to ask questions and to ask for help. So mm -hmm. I think when we get to the space where we're able to ask those questions and we're able to ask for help when we don't understand and when we uh, are feeling vulnerable or or really like I was saying before, and I actually call that the, the fear triangle because I feel we live inside of this fear triangle at times and we have to fight to get out of it. You know, that, that fear of the unknown, the fear, you know, of rejection. And, you know, these things, you know, are self-sabotaging, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they are things that that keeps us isolated. And I and I know what I'm sharing is easier said than done. But we again, we just have to be in a position to where we want to ask more questions and ask for help. So I feel like this that's the best way to, to really approach this thing. And, and once we can get to that space. You know, not to take things personally. <laughs> and I know that's easier said than done. You know, not making assumptions because that can get us in a lot of trouble, right? And, uh, you know, just doing the best that you can. You know, that's you don't right. have all the answers. And in the day I run into someone to think that they know have all the answers, I don't need to be around <laughs> you anymore, Jeff. So, <laughs> oh, that's so true. And uh, not to name drop, and uh, I had the opportunity to interview Matt Doherty, so the former North Carolina Tar Heels men's basketball coach, and how he left was not great. And uh, he was just sharing that he could have done a lot of things better, and he's learned a lot about leadership. What he also shared is that he needs to stay away from and out of the bitter river. And he said, it's always raging and it's closer than you want, but the bitter river is something you need to stay away from and out of. And um, I just appreciated those comments as well. But Chaz, as we've talked, and I just thank you so much for your time and your insight and um, 
just so proud and excited to see what God's doing in and through your life and other voices that are really impacting the next generation because they're going to be taking, you know, our leadership roles soon enough. But uh, Chaz, for you, being a husband, being a father, how do you have that healthy rhythm to make time for your family when you could be, quote, out saving the world and neglecting those closest to you? Mm, wow. So for me, they are the number one. So if things are not going on in, in, in the right state and again, no relationship is perfect. You know, we all have our trials and tribulations, disagreements. But, you know, it's hard for me thinking of my values. It's hard for me to neglect what God has put me in charge of, me and my family, and then go out and and try to save someone else. So it, it has to start with the family. And 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 my values, interests, and principles stand really firm. And 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 the first one is loving and seeking God. And then that the second one is maintaining a healthy lifestyle. The third is that family, right? You know, yeah. uh, serving and you know, being in a position to to add value. And when I say value, uh, I mean a standard or belief that you choose to filter your life decisions through. Hmm. So, uh, you know, there's research out there that says we have over 50,000 thoughts a day, right? So uh, our thoughts create actions and our actions create consequences. So for me, it's really dictating and building a bridge between my values and my actions. And that, that value bridge, uh, and I ask whoever's listening to us, what are you valuing? What is on your bridge whenever that thought? Because we get good and bad thoughts, right? There's some things that come to my mind. I'm like, man, Chad, what are you thinking about? <laughs> you never do that. But they do. They pop in your head. So as those thoughts go across that bridge, that value bridge, what, what type of values, morals, and principles do you have in place that's going to be able to dictate your actions and dictate the consequences for your life uh, to help you become the greatest version of yourself? And, and I love acronym C. So you ask the question of what did I do to stay grounded? C, uh, for me, the S stands for self-talk. So self-talk is a huge thing for me. You know, I have affirmations that I say the first uh, thing I do in the morning when I wake up at five o'clock. Uh, well, that, that's actually the second thing. The first thing I say is good morning, God. And then the second thing I say is that self-talk, those affirmations. Exercise is a big one for me. Um, you know, it's my medicine. It's a way that, you know, I balance my emotions and get grounded and get into a good state and then engagement. So I mentioned, you know, families first, but doing things like this with you, Jeff, engaging, serving. I mentioned that a whole analogy of the restaurant. You know, I'm constantly taking in information. So I have to serve that food. I have to serve so stuff don't get spoiled inside of me because, you know, um, that's not the way that we're built as human beings. And, you know, uh, obviously I'm being intentional and, and living it out myself. So so good. Uh, Chaz, we'll get you out with uh, hopefully a fun question. And uh, I'll give my answer first while you, uh, while you think about it. But I stole this from Hernando Planos. He's a basketball coach. He's now on the West Coast in California. His Be Contagious podcast, he always asks his guests, if or when, and in your case, when, the feature film is made about your life, who plays you in that feature film? And uh, while you think about that, wow. I'll, 
I will give you mine. And because we look so much alike, because I like to work out too, I always say Dwayne The Rock Johnson can play <laughs> me in that feature film. <laughs> who, who, who say you? Dude, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but uh, <laughs> because I, I didn't like it for so long and then I did like it at one point. But uh, uh, 50 Cent, so Curtis Jackson. All so right. I used to always uh, be called. They used to be my nickname back in high school. So. <laughs> I guess because from like my nose down, uh, you know, the teeth and, you know, I'm a pretty muscular guy. And I used to wear a hat all the time back in school. So <laughs> it just kind of, this was when G-Unit and those guys was really popular at the time. And at first I didn't like it, but then the ladies, you know, they were like, oh, you like it? <laughs> like, I was like, okay, go, 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 Sean. It's your birthday. <laughs> you know, like, so... Uh, I guess I guess that's the first one that kind of pops in my mind. It's, All right, it's so and he's I apologize for my dog barking. I think my dog heard you laughing that uh, I look like the <laughs> rock. Like so... laugh or she, she just... <laughs> hey, All the right. second the second part to that question is who plays your love interest or your wife in that feature film? And I'll go with Halle Berry because I would love to watch a movie with The Rock and Halle Berry about me and my wife, but who plays your love interest in that feature film? Wow. My wife's not watching this. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> no, gosh, man. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the first one that popped in my head, man. I, I love Megan Good, man. So there you but, go. uh, she's my one, man. She's, she's playing my heart. Hey, Chaz, thanks so much for making the time. We wish you all the best. want to keep in touch. And uh, yeah, for what you're doing, Thanks for inspiring young lives and being that person that uh, that they really need right now. So, Chaz Jackson, thanks again. Thank you, sir. And uh, we just thank you for making the time. Jay Fuller Interviews, Jay Fuller Interviews on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Jay Fuller Interviews, also the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J Fuller Interviews. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you listen and learn from someone else because it's going to make you and I much better.